0: I don't understand my life. I'm busy doing this thing.
1: So last time we had one of the hardest to edit episode ever because we tried to interview an AI and it was extremely confusing because we were voicing the AI and interviewing it.
0: It was such a mess. Before the listener comments, I must say that, like, I hope everyone enjoyed that episode because it was very much a mess to edit. <laughs> and, like, yeah. So much effort. So much effort. And I think we succeed to do something cool about it.
1: Okay. And for the follow-up. Have I I got one question from uh, Pierre, uh, who yeah. asked, uh, do you... Think that GPT that, ca- can we say that GPT 3 has imagination? Which is uh, like, because we talked ab- a lot about consciousness. And so in his email, it was like, but what about imagination? And uh, it seems like. Uh, Hard thing to define <laughs> for starters. I think yeah. What what's nice about it? do you have a definition of imagination?
0: I feel like it's an act to create something from nothing. I don't know. We can check imagination. Mm-hmm. I don't have a cue. Like I don't have a philosophical thing about it. My
1: my go-to answer to that is that GPT is uh, trained on a huge corpus uh, corpus of text. It reads, reads, reads a lot, and it is able to produce from that things that are not in its corpus so
0: so yeah so it has yeah it has imagination i would
1: qualify that as imagination
0: i mean like the definition from google dictionary is <laughs> which i'm not sure where they take it is a faculty or action for forming new idea and like it clearly forms new idea like it creates new stuff it, it
1: creates new forms the the thing that a little bit goes back to what we are doing uh, talking about during the episode is that i don't know if it realizes that the previous things were old ideas and the new thing that uh, are new ideas i don't know if it has ideas per se yeah, but... but it's making new stuff <laughs>
0: But actually, like, the, the def- I'm going back to the definition because I think it's a really interesting definition, even if, like, definition are a bit stupid. But the definition, I think, makes so much sense. Like, the faculty or action of forming new ideas, images, or concepts of external objects not present to the senses. So, like, not oh, present well, to the Oh, then
1: s- he does only imagination. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Full <laughs> imagination. Full
0: imagination, there. Uh, which is interesting because I would have said, without the definition, I would have said that you need consciousness consciousness. To imagine stuff, but if you take that definition, you don't really you
1: only need to create stuff. I mean, with that definition, it's exactly it's almost the definition mm-hmm. of GPT, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, producing yeah. text without having senses,
0: which is kind of okay. That, that, that is cute.
1: <laughs> There's probably a lot of definitions floating around. What, what were your conversations about GPT 3 imagination?
0: No, no, not at all. Like, I think like the most interesting because, like, I've already talked about the, like what people like my conversation with GPT like about GPT-3 before like the podcast. And I think like most of the conversation after the podcast was kind of the same in the same line. But what interesting thing, one interesting thing I, I, I had as a conversation is with someone that don't really know what machine learning is. And I like was very, very surprised that we were at that level of performance of, and of creation. And so I think it was very cute that we didn't, we never really question the fact that like, it's kind of amazing where we are at in AI right now. And we kind of take it as granted, like okay, uh, yeah, it's cute.
1: It's. Cute. I don't know. We've we've uh, we've been raving about AlphaGo for a while. <laughs> so. No, but we, we, we've been yeah, yeah, but we've been raving, but
0: because we know kind of how it works behind like the cuteness of it, I think that we kind of forget that like. For an untrained eyes. For example, my sister watched an epi- like I don't know a TV show about AlphaGo on Netflix, and she was completely amazed by it. You know what I mean? But like it was not an amazement of like technicality, it was just like it's completely fucked up. Like, how do we do that? And I think when you come, like she knows about like driving cars, she knows about like, like self-driving cars, and, like that sort of thing. She's not amazed at all. But when it comes to actually like doing something that is passed from like imagination or creation, like the general public, I think, is much much more. It's very close to them and like what they are doing. And I think it's kind of cute how like this kind of creation with machine learning makes the general public more aware of where we're going as a society with machine learning. Because when you tell people, okay, like maybe we can like remove 90% 90% of jobs are like what do you mean like they can't like I don't know like robots can't like I don't know like do anything think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly and then like you start like telling them okay but like I've talked with an AI for an hour I think like it switched something in their brain much more than like oh it's recognized fruits when you're taking a picture or like or whatever like whatever was the application
1: yeah, it's, it's interesting to see that there is this kind of hierarchy in humanness of activities <laughs> yeah between like conversation go and uh uh self dr- and driving people think of driving as very utilitary i guess yeah uh, i think of it as very complex because i don't know my analytical mind or whatever but it's driving self-driving car seems so much harder than go or language because
0: well long i like go for sure i guess
1: so but language well, It. Uh, it depends what you mean by yeah. Way. yeah, yeah I it mean, de- language, you only understand that it's complicated when you actually get down to it. But anyway, the the thing is, you don't you don't understand that language is complicated. I, I didn't understand how language was complicated before I tried to program it. And I think it's a really nice, uh, th- that's also why computer science brings you a lot of interesting things and a li- lot of interesting perspectives because you don't really, well I don't know sometimes you don't understand the complexity of a, a, a thing or a system unless you try to reproduce it and then like there's so many so many things weird in language I have uh, I have a big of a, a bit of a follow-up I think that's important that we talked about it but it's not really about the episode yeah. it's about the technical stuff okay because uh, since the last time we've noticed uh, we, we faced a couple of technical issues so first of all there was a the stuff on iTunes we got dropped from my I- well we disappeared from iTunes for yeah for a day or so no
0: yeah, yeah. but like are we like, fixed I, I didn't check the la like I- the first 17 episodes are fixed then or the first 16 episodes but like the last one i'm still not sure we're there
1: we've no idea what's happening but we are working on it <laughs> <laughs> and another problem we have is this time on android on the other side of the spectrum <laughs> on android the spectrum, <laughs> the spectrum of android <laughs> <We also say> <laughs> 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 it's a very wide are spectrum. spectrum aren't you <laughs> Uh, okay. I guess it is very binary <laughs> okay on the other side of the binary distinction on the other side of the world <laughs> whatever uh, some t- so when you use the, the portfolio link which is a link, uh, a link engine that we are experimenting with to keep tracks and stats about the clicks and whatever uh it seems that there might be problems th- on Android. I think it's in France, because uh, Android tries to open it in Google Podcasts mm-hmm. and Google Podcasts might not be completely launched in France or something like that. I think
0: it's launched but you need to download it. And maybe like the deep link between like uh, whatever pod link uh, and like the link. App Store. Yeah, and the App Store isn't
1: working. <laughs> So I don't know. Uh, maybe eventually we'll have to stop using portfolio <laughs> because if it tries to open things that don't exist, it's, it's a bit annoying. But so the, the, the reason why we're using that is because it allows people to open the link in their favorite app by default. And if there's no app, it's supposed to play the MP3 directly.
0: Yeah, supposed to.
1: If there is too much trouble with that, just let us know, and we'll figure out another solution, of course. <music> By the way, I took a day off recently and dusted off all the tools I used for learning Japanese and put them on my GitHub and mentioned Mm -hmm. it in my blog. Okay. Uh, Shameless plugging? Shameless plugging. (laughs) I mean, that's what I've been doing, uh, spending a lot of time on lately, right? Uh, And the reason why I've done that is because I've been learning Japanese for, what, like seven years now or something like that? And so along the way, I did a lot of things. Yeah, so in language learning, you often use apps for uh, flashcards, so prompting you to remember things and see if you remember them. And they're supposedly smart uh, interval repetition, blah, blah, blah. The most common use, the most standard is Anki. And so that's the one I use. And for it, I made an add-on to which I feed basically a list of words or a subtitle file. And it fetches the definition and the various spellings, whatever, from dictionaries and uploads it directly to the the programs that seems nice pretty nice the thing is it's a very flexible platform so you can have essentially any kind of cards on it mm-hmm. a lot of people in medicine use it for instance and this kind of stuff you you'd need to have the exact same uh, c- uh, card setup than me for it to work okay Right, you need to have these specific Japanese cards, but maybe the, maybe another one that you would find more interesting is everything I've done about kanjis. So kanjis are the basic, the Chinese characters that the Japanese write with. Yeah. It's more or less uh, 2,000 characters and they have been built through the edges in a very chaotic way. <laughs> like some of them are used because the Chinese pronunciation looks the same. Some of them are used because the Chinese meaning looks the same. And some of them are used, I don't even know why. And so essentially you have to memorize everything just like by heart. And I'm having a very tough time with that. Kind of like in Chinese, like even if it's maybe less chaotic. Well, I don't know how it is in Chinese. Okay,
0: because you can't really derive the... um meaning of the character by just looking at all the keys for example like it's kind of random
1: but if a character in chinese is built from another character adding stuff around is it related or not necessarily
0: well it depends so no not really not necessarily like it can be a bit random
1: so did the character you've already learned help you learn the next ones like can you make assumptions on characters you don't know based on the characters you know
0: I think you can make some assumptions. Like, sometimes you're very, very wrong, but, like... <laughs> okay. You're, you can make some assumption.
1: You can try to make assumptions, and it sometimes works. Yeah, exactly. Works.
0: Okay. I don't know. You, you see the character for Gate. You see, like, a weird stuff front. You're like, okay, maybe it's not, like... It's something that you can enter somehow. Like, that sort
1: of things. Okay, I guess... It's also messy in Chinese, so if the source material is is messy to begin with, <laughs> and this is such a mess. So the thing I uh, I've done I've done through the years is uh, make sure that for each symbol I have the details of how it's built, like all the elementary components. You'd be surprised how hard it is to find that. <laughs> nobody does that very well. Really. Yes, because they've shifted through the years, I guess. I don't know. Mm. I'm not super satisfied with the... Well, I don't think there is an official answer. And okay. the ones that I keep seeing are imperfect at best. <laughs> so you, I, I've decomposed them myself in elementary particles. <laughs> and uh, and here comes the interesting... The, 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 the thing I'm the most proud of. I put all of these uh, symbols on various maps. Maps. Uh, Because I wanted to to leverage my special memory or whatever, especially to distinguish between uh, symbols that are similar, whether in meaning or in writing. Mm -hmm. So what I have done is uh, you have edges, you have links between these symbols whether it is they share component or they share meaning or they look the same etc and so if you try to think about all these links think of the symbols as points and the links as edges you get a super big graph structure except that it's it doesn't have a structure right it's uh, it's a huge mess. So if you want to, if I, <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be a bit mathy here, but clearly I need more than three dimensions to visualize the graph. No, that's always a problem. Because otherwise it's just a big ball of edges. And so the, the way I've done it to solve this issue is to Plot several types of graphs and uh, like several snapshots of several subparts of this huge mess, and that makes it a bit more tolerable. It makes uh, okay. it makes a cute. To be honest,
0: I haven't read the blog, and I have a hard time visualizing what it looks well, like.
1: Yeah, I'll send you and put in the show notes an example of what these uh, this maps of kanjis end up being like. So I color them based on how hard they are for me to memorize.
0: Okay, it doesn't seem like it would help. Like at all.
1: Um, I don't know, I think it helps me especially to distinguish between the ones that are close by. like I see when there is a region where there is a lot of color it like I need to pay attention to that.
0: But I don't know because like what I'm seeing right now is for example, so on the picture that you sh- send me and will be the chapter uh, picture, so everyone can look at it during the explanation. I look at it and like, for example, I see the character, like the Chinese character for like more. And then like I look at like just a bit below that. I look at like the character, which has not even the same top top side, but to say like man. Or male. And like, it's very close by. There's no, like, there's no arrow between the two. It doesn't mean the same thing at all. It has no, except the square top, which is not the same square top. It has nothing to do with each other. So I'm not super sure. There's no meaning. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're
1: close. Yeah, so because I have to plot everything on a 2D screen, it projects stuff from that that are not supposed mm. to be close by in a close by system okay okay and there is also a fair amount of arbitrariness maybe in my associations uh, especially when it comes to the meaning but the the graph uh, you, you see is the graph of construction mm-hmm. of components so an arrow is like okay. X is a subcomponent of y. Mm. Are you tired of seeing water being so liquid all the time? Introducing ice. For a small cost of just a tiny bit more volume, ice will provide you with a stable solid storage form for your water. No more spilling or running, the water stays neatly in place. Try ice right now by lowering temperature or increasing pressure.
0: I'll let you introduce the question. Please. Yes, it's,
1: uh, so this time we're tackling a question that is dear to my heart and hopefully we'll do another episode that will change my life. i hope Uh, so (laughs) very not sure (laughs) we'll see Uh, i think one way to phrase it uh, to to bring it to the table it could be as a follow-up from episode 9 i don't know if you well you remember that uh, we talked about what is the problem with being self-contradicting Oh, yeah. And to give you a brief, very brief summary uh, of the conclusion we came up with is that it prevents you from doing any kind of pro- progression, right? If you want to progress on a topic, a project, or anything, rationality helps. Yeah. And. Uh, this
0: episode made me ve- vegetarian. Like, <laughs> you you, you <laughs> fucked with my life with that episode, but like it's fine.
1: See, si, see, si, our, our episodes change our lives. Yeah, way too much. But maybe this this episode will help. I don't know. Uh, So anyway, after this episode and even before, I guess, I Mm -hmm. have always had this little voice in the corner of my head, especially when I watch media. And we can probably get into that. But uh, we've seen that rationality is a good thing and a lot of people would tend to agree even though it's a big debate in the us but in normal places <laughs> uh, rationality tends to be a good thing uh and tends to be encouraged and science is cool and stuff like that and produce results and most of our material comfort has been provided by rationality yet when you see in fictions Uh, characters that act rationally like so the textbook example is the Spock syndrome from star trek even though there is a lot of problem with that because it's not actually rational it's a parody of rationality but whatever let's not go into that my point is when you see rationality applied like extreme rationality in fiction it's kind of like frowned upon it's it's portrayed in a bad way you don't want to be like like a robot you don't want to be too rational and my gut question is why is that why is rationality always portrayed as a bad thing
0: so i think like well there's two specific things like because in saying in fiction rationality is put against being emotionally intelligent and i think that's the more that's why people don't want in fiction people that are rational, like super rational are not super liked or like weirdly liked because it goes against like their super rational against being, like, friendly, against being understanding, and, like, most of the time, against being empathic, empathetic, empath, empath...
1: empath. That's a a nice point, because... So that's what I was alluding to when I said that Spock is actually a parody of rationality. Because a rational person need not be cold and not empathetic, right? Uh, it is even more rational in most cases to be kind to people because being cold to people doesn't yield your expected result. It rarely yields a good result, I think.
0: Well, the thing is easy, is though usually like people that are not usually, but like some people that have autism have really, really high IQ and and there are like whatever, like high functioning autism and they are very, very rational people, but they can't. But it goes against like a sort of emotional intelligence. And I think like these people are might want to be nice, might whatever, but like they don't really have the empathy. they can't really have like yeah they just can't Mm. have the empathy but they are very rational so like obviously they don't want people to like cry or to be sad or whatever it's just like they don't see it and it goes with like high logical intelligence i
1: mean that's 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 a very interesting example part of it is that if you're rational rationality can only guide you within your possibilities and affordances right if you're incapable from empathy from being nice from smiling then it, uh, rationality cannot help with that i guess yeah but the 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 bottom line here is that if you want to like, I don't know if you want to accomplish a teamwork project or something, being nice and taking into consideration other people's feeling will be in your best interest if you can.
0: Yeah, but, like, that's where, like, it's very hard. If you take just rationality, I think it's very hard to put, like, the threshold of, like, where you need to, like, stop being rational and being empathetic.
1: But that's, that's the thing. It's not... It, it's not opposed like empathy can be a tool for rationality you know
0: it can but sometimes it can't meaning like for example like you have a, like you have a conversation with a friend about his boyfriend his girlfriend whatever okay you know like if you follow rationality and if you follow like everything that you know like you you know that he needs to live the rational thing for him is to live and you know it and you can prove it to him, whatever. Imagine a way that you can prove it to him. So the rational thing is that what is a rational thing to do is like nothing. Like you don't like there's nothing. So you can you can expose the rationality of it, but like maybe like you will make that person cry. You cannot expose the rationality of it because you know that he doesn't care. And like there's no good answer there. So so it's more about applying rationality.
1: so there's there's a couple of uh, open questions in uh, in in this, and I think it's a great example because rationality doesn't exist in a vacuum, right? It's always yep. subservient to some kind of goal, and it doesn't tell you what the goal should be. It's a method, not uh, not a prescription. Uh, so your goal is to make him cry. Then. <laughs> okay, and then it's a very different. To the the rational decision for this person to it might be rational for them to end their relationship, but then there is it's a completely different set of questions what you as the speaker in this conversation should do, right? What is your goal? If your goal is to have this relationship broken up, maybe your best way to do it is to expose the rationality of it. But probably the best way to do it is like to empathize and not expose the rationality of leaving someone. So you always have to think of like, what is the end goal and go back to this definition.
0: As you can see in that conversation, like there's no rational way way to go about it like we don't have knowledge about how to deal with like we just don't have a rational way to deal with a conversation like
1: that I mean yeah rationality is a thing about perfect information and <laughs> this, this a lot of topics tend to be really messy
0: and I think that's the that's the issue like in fiction people that are this like parody or not parody of like very rational being tends to use rationality as the only way to communicate with people so like Spock or even like, Sherlock is just using rationality always, even if he's interacting with people. Like if Sherlock talks to Watson about, I don't know, an emotional thing, like someone's die, it will say like, oh, but don't worry, like it do- doesn't feel anymore like who the fuck cares. Usually in fiction, it goes hands in hands. Like people that are very rational will say their rationality about like everything. basically.
1: The thing is that it's not true rationality because in true rationality, you take into account other people's state of mind and uh, you try to leverage empathy or whatever vis-à-vis vis- vis your goals. So why is it that we see so much of these parodies, this negative? parodies and never any portrayal of like oh yeah if you rationalize a little bit your feelings maybe you can find a good uh, like if you both use feelings and rationality maybe you can get to a big better goal
0: i don't think it's true that you don't see that meaning like what you don't see is a very 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 rational like super usually they are super intelligent people that can't don't want to, don't care about, like, for example, Dr. House don't care about people and all they care is like whatever, like their intelligence and their rationality. What I want to say is like in pop culture, like not really in pop culture, but like in culture in general, all self-help books right now and like all the meditation talk right that is very, very popular right now is about rationalizing like your feeling and be more rational about how you feel and like taking a bit of a step back about your life and like, I think it's very much putting rationality in into the human mind and into your emotion to actually feel better and be better at at life, basically.
1: To apply the best method to solve a problem. <laughs> but so do you, don't you feel like there is kind of a disconnect then We're between the, the the fiction in media and. What we actually do in real life, there's very little portrayal in media of like oh the, this self-help you were talking about. But not
0: really. Like if you talk like maybe in TV show yes, but like in just like talk show, like Oprah is really like that kind of person. Is really like oh self-reflect be like rational about your feeling. Oh, and I'll give you a car. You know what I mean?
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh oh, this is this is a we found the intro <laughs> yeah uh. Sure, so, so I think there's the kind of, like, hiatus between... Because Oprah and all are more into the reality side of the, spec- of the spectrum, <laughs> whereas uh, the TV shows and the fiction, like, I don't know. It seems like you wouldn't see this kind of mindset in stories. And stories are... A portrayal in a way of our ideals.
0: Well, I feel like someone that is what we're saying is not creating any drama, so it's not a good story.
1: I feel that it's more potent that you give it credit for. So I mean, one like really nice,
0: intelligent, self-reflecting man. It's not a good start for a story. <laughs> like maybe you can do a, a, a good story about this guy. Not sure it's the best story.
1: <laughs> that, that, that's I, I I like this uh, this perspective a lot. Believe it or not, I never had it. So rationality might not be a good story-driving device. Might not be good for drama. Hmm, interesting. The, the, the whole thing of, about drama is that you have problems that you're supposed to overcome so I mean I could see very clearly that you know the circle of hero progression whatever where he the, the hero goes uh, on the journey and on this journey they learn to be more rational and they come back and solve all the problems with the new tools they have yeah, it's the end of the story yeah so I, I don't think it's so anti antithetic I don't think it's so impossible as you make it seem
0: well I mean like you're, you're imagining some one that uh, like that is not acting rational and is going to a journey to become rational the becoming rational is the end of the story not the start
1: yeah but we don't we still don't see the story of becoming rational
0: (laughs) i mean is that true though like it depends on what you're you're, like i think it depends on what you're calling rational but i feel like we see a lot of the growing up journey even in like bullshit like i don't know like even in Naruto, basically, like you, you start with this, li- this little kid that has no friends that don't like anyone because whatever reason in his life, like because he has a hard life. And then you go to that journey of him, like maturing and like making friends and like while he's making friends, he's becoming more rational about it. Like, okay, but like actually like people are nice. They just have like, like have that environment that make them like hate me and blah, blah, blah. And then he become like, and what's nice about Naruto is then he becomes the Okage, like whatever the president for people that don't follow Naruto. And what you see in whatever, like when he's president, he's this very rational being, which is okay, no, I can't see my son because I need to like deal with like the village, blah blah blah. And like that's more important because like I love him and I want him to live in a, like a peaceful whatever. And so you see that like journey of him being like this little brat that don't know shit to like this kind of like very mature, very logical being that still loves people and that still have a lot of empathy because it's like kind of his character, but also having this very rational way of dealing with of dealing with life basically.
1: It's the whole uh, whole arc like coming to age. of um, growing up, coming to yeah. age, and uh, acquiring wisdom. You know, this is very. Tighter wisdom.
0: Uh, I do think wisdom is kind of being rational about life.
1: Today's sponsor is The Past. Remember the past? How fun it was. What memories. <laughs> Such memories. Anyway, that was The Past. <laughs> A great example about how uh, character growth is usually—you can see it as pro-rationality in uh, in a way because often you acquire wisdom, often you you, you get less uh, less impulsive, etc. Yeah, but the 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 point of view i was coming at with this question is more of a macro scale i mean i've been watching i I watch a lot of uh, sci-fi dystopia kind of things and you often have this matrix kind of system that is super rational making everything the way it should be and making everyone happy and whatever it is it seems to be the trope and the the normal uh, it seems to be the 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 only possible storytelling about this that uh, and the encouraged storytelling about this that you should take down the system in the name of personal freedom uh, like tear down all the all the, the, this this perfect system to allow you to be free i guess in the name of freedom
0: uh, yeah being happy like there are like the system is telling you always in all the system and in all utopia versus dystopia, it's always like the end goal is being happy, it's never something else. And the problem, I think, is like people can't it's not the end goal for anyone being happy.
1: So you, you think that the, the the hero or whatever acts rationally but towards a different goal than the system?
0: Yeah, and as you said, like the the are rational about, I want more freedom, always. It's always like freedom. And obviously it's like a US, like a United States trope, like freedom before everything and whatever, and very libertarian way of thinking. But I do think that when you are in a very well-oiled system, which only is basically giving food to everyone and giving whatever like pills for them to be happy, pills in the form of pills, pills in the form of entertainment, whatever form, just like them being happy to be happy without a reason to live. I think you remove what makes human, human basically, which is having a goal and like making sense of life. And I think making sense of life, you can't make sense of life if you're told to do something always for all your life. And I think that's a very, Like you have a desire that you need to like fulfill. And if you're always happy, you don't have a desire because it's the definition.
1: So it would be a disagreement on the goal rather than the method. And so, yeah, I think so. It would be uh, you need to rationally act against the rational fulfillment of your desires. If you want to address like your underlying goal,
0: your actual desire,
1: your actual desire. Throw back to Sarah's and my Okay, so if I see stuff in fiction that seems like they are how to say it, like uh putting positive value to irrationality, passion, etc., it's actually putting positive value of Rationality. Well, it can be seen anyway as positive, putting positive value on the rationality to a goal that seems irrational, but that is actually rational considering uh... what that goal is. Considering uh, how fucked up humans are. <laughs> yeah, but like, yeah, yeah, exactly. <coughs> is, is that a is that a case of humans need some sort of sem- semblance of irrationality, and so they are rationally uh, rationally trying to pursue this semblance of irrationality?
0: I think that human tends to go back, like, to be homeostatic. So, like, to to go back to a natural state of discontent, and I think a well old machine isn't at one point. Like, like you are discontent with it, and so you miss something. That's
1: that's exactly what the Matrix iterations uh, show. You should rewatch it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna rewatch it but but so any system that doesn't evolve often I often I don't think it can really fulfill what humans are because humans are about evolution and about being discontent and about finding some solution about it so you're removing I think one part of what humans are
1: so I have so just to sum up you don't think there's some kind of Implicit propaganda against rationality in our media. Do you, do you don't think that irrationality is valued, like passion is valued, and people are encouraged to, to break rationality?
0: No, I didn't say that at all. I'm thinking, like, why now? Obviously. <laughs> Like with the fake news stuff, like rational, people are going against rationality and against science even. And like this is like the flat earth movement. Like there's a lot of stuff that shows that people are going against rationality. What I'm saying is before that last four years, three years, whatever, 10 years, let's like be wild. I do think that passion and like, yeah, passion is a bit, is pushed forward, but I don't think passion is going against rationality. It's just a way, like basically just saying, yeah, you need to be passionate about life you need to like love someone you need to like love something you need to, to to create like it's more about having your fullest life than not being I don't think it goes against rationality
1: so one of the feelings that I had when I was seeing this in the, in the stories I was looking at Japanese media and I was wondering if it was maybe some sort of leak from American style individualism leaking into the zeitgeist Worldwide, uh, the the individualism would uh, favor passion over rationality.
0: Mm. Mm. Oh, so you're saying that. I never thought about that. So if you are more an individualistic society you're favoring more passion when but if you are in a more collectivistic society collective collect whatever society you're more favorizing rationality I mean
1: it, it might just be a thing of like implicit goal being individual expression versus uh, in- individual, the goal being solving, tro- uh, solving big problems or whatever.
0: Uh. Mm. But that's interesting because like, that's kind of true. Like if you want to solve like self-driving cars, you can't be individualistic. You can't very like, you can't be not rational about it. Whereas if you want to create, if you want to like create, meaning just create art art. Mm. I think like art is a problem. <laughs> meaning, mean, meaning, I do, I do think that like if you remove anything artistic from like human life, then like there won't be any problem. I guess. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't know. Maybe you can do rational art that is pleasing the senses or stimulating you in a rational way to think about things. I don't know. So you can have many conception of art and maybe it's not about expression of yourself. Maybe it's about tension toward an I- ideal absolute or anything like that. So do you think that maybe... Uh, it's about
0: your feeling about that, no? It's about your feeling about that. It's not about the thing in itself. But
1: maybe this... Conception of art is itself part of the individualistic propaganda that values passion over rationality. Uh,
0: oh yeah, maybe. maybe, maybe. But, but I guess you're no, but I guess you right because like all, all classicist school in any kind of art were like fuck you, like those rules. And like it's kind of new to say like fuck the rules. <laughs> like what's important is passion. <laughs> uh and that's kind of fun because it's kind of like it's super new actually even in art like like, surely in art
1: like the Hmm. so So is it american propaganda
0: (laughs) (laughs) not sure it's i'm not sure it's it's, I'm not sure it's like the state's propaganda. I'm pretty sure it's more... We solved most problems and now we need to create some.
1: We need to solve ourselves. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Now we can eat. So whatever.
1: Uh, it's it's nice. Because I had a, a point in my notes that uh, corroborates a little bit what we were talking about because we were saying that you could follow something that seems irrational as part of a rational... Role a rational method towards your goal sometimes your goal demands that you seem irrational and we talked a lot about these dystopias and so on where you need this, uh, at least an illusion of freedom and maybe uh, my, my personal conclusion i came up with when i was wondering why is why is passion like this kind of irrationality so valued is it's because so my my conclusion was maybe mankind is too terrified to admit that they are deterministic being and they look into this kind of irrationality passion whatever for some kind of solace to prove that they can still transcend rules and so in that way it would be still rational vis-a-vis like being able to live <laughs> being able to survive <laughs> Doesn't
0: being deterministic mean that everyone is rational at the end? By definition. If
1: you if you say that like people are deterministic,
0: per definition, they act logically.
1: Not uh, respective to their goal.
0: Not respective they, to their okay. goal? Okay, okay. They act
1: rationally vis-à-vis uh, a set of... Uh, physics. <laughs> <their> Physical. <number laughs> vis-à-vis physics, yeah, sure.
0: Uh yeah, okay no yeah, yeah. I was pushing it a bit. But
1: uh No, oh, that's that's interesting.
0: No, but that was not like what I wanted to say. Like it it was just a joke. What I wanted to say is something else that I forgot, so let me just rewind a bit, which was Okay, okay. I don't think it's even in the radar of anyone to be deterministic. I think it's like
1: Yeah, I'm talking more of an unconscious kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah but I mean because it's so new in in culture not even in culture but like in like it's such a new thing to think that like human can be deterministic that I feel like if It was an unconscious push. As a civilization, we would have created philosophy, art and stuff way before in our culture that would show that it is an issue because there's basically nothing about that.
1: So if it was something elementary to human nature, you'd expect to see uh, individualists um, back when classicists were all about rules,
0: that's a way better way to to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: It's it's the contraposé, contractual. <laughs> the, the, I, I follow a lot of rationalist thinking. If you want to validate an hypothesis, you need to imagine would it still hold true in the world where your premise is wrong. Yeah. Okay, so we have nothing to worry about <laughs> ever it's and, uh, uh, and paradoxically everything to worry about because everyone is more rational than I g- used to give them credit for but they are rational <laughs> with a wrong premises vis--vis a goal that I completely disagree and we will never reconcile
0: and the problem with goal it's kind of it's kind of hard to change them I guess
1: I mean you can you could dig a bit rational rash- like so I I think the one resolution we could see out of that is that I don't think enough people question their goal rationally like why what is it that I really want why do I want that is it a sub part of a bigger goal am I missing the point is-
0: what's interesting is that and that goes with you saying like that the United States culture is kind of allowing that to be removed from the conversation is that even in psychology right now and psychology that follows like the American way, don't care about that at all, which is goes completely against like what psychoanalysis is, which is why like, why the fuck do you want that? Like, do you really want that? And like actually ask this question.
1: Yeah, question the the axioms of a person.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. much more than like they don't really care and like and people don't care about that at all like when you talk about seeing a psychoanalyst today and saying like what you're actually doing there people are like why are you doing that like you just don't do that like just go see a coach or something and I think like that's a very strange change of point of view we're not asking ourselves as a society why the fuck are we there we're just saying like I want to feel happier and get me there now and we don't ask that question about like why why do we want to be happy and I think happiness has become this this god that we want to strive for and like yeah. we don't really think about it
1: yeah so that's, one also, that's also what sparked my thinking seeing that in uh, Japanese media I was like, like should I not expect to see more different assumptions about what humans are and want than what I'm seeing right now people fighting dystopia
0: yeah I mean yeah Just the hegemony of culture. I think like, yeah, it goes with like the hegemony of culture. the hegemony of happiness. Yeah, but clearly, I think like we're at that state. And like, I think it's one of the first time in the world that we're at that state that everyone agrees that the goal is to be happy. Because even even like the Christian thing is not to be happy. The Bible don't say be happy. You know what I mean? Like that's not the thing.
1: I wonder if we should do a dedicated episode on that, because I don't know what we could say about it, but it's an important topic.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. What's the goal of life? <laughs> One episode, 30
1: minutes. I think we, we, we reached a pretty cute conclusion. Yeah. I will invite everyone who thinks otherwise <laughs> to join us on, on Reddit, on Twitter, or by email at Not Daily Podcast. everywhere. Come and tell us if you think there actually is an anti-rational propaganda going on implicitly or if everything's going irrationally according to not my plan (laughs) in either cases I think I'm fucked (laughs) (laughs) so you can also just write to us to 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 cheer us up